Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Next Step Leadership Podcast. I'm Chris Maxwell. Um, love these conversations with Tracy Reynolds. And uh, Tracy, uh, talk to me about uh, your thoughts from our last conversation with Charlie Dawes. Well, any day I make a new friend is a great day. We've established that, right? So this is a phenomenal day already, Charlie. Uh, I resonate with virtually everything he says, which is it's kind of uncanny. It's like we've worked in similar environments in higher education, working with students and next gen, having a heart for that, and then having some people in our lives who have been significant mentors. Uh, those are, are three things that I took right out of that. Um, but I love that you are learning and growing and picking the, the good things, but allowing the Lord to show you new things as you're, you're traversing your, your place in, in life. And you're a wonderful communicator, Charlie, and it's wonderful to have you with us again. So welcome back to Next Step Leadership, Charlie Dawes. Uh, thanks for having me. There's so many parts of your story that we could uh, go back. You gave us the summary in the uh, previous episode. And anyone who has not listened to that, please go back and, and listen to the first time we've interviewed Charlie. But Charlie, we spent a lot of time talking about the influence that Basil has had on your life, uh, the pastor, he and his wife, just kind of set an example for you about ministry and and the importance of education was another uh, key area in your life. Just take a minute, and then I'm, after that, I want us to go to a personal level, and we'll focus again on your church and your book. But uh, the importance of education is a lot of questions about where is that going? Where is Christian education going in the future? And uh, some of those who are listening to this are professors, uh, pastors pursuing education later in life, and those who are students. Uh, give us some suggestions on how to um, yeah, do what we can to take the right approach pursuing education for our spiritual growth and development, not just vocation, but spiritually. Yeah, I love the way you said that, because uh, for me, Education for me was always what it felt like was an invitation to pursue God. And so it was it was a sense where, yes, it was providing credentials and it was making me ready for calling. It was doing all those things. But what was um, incredibly uh, meaningful was that I was finding God at a deeper level, that I was experiencing an intimacy with God. It seemed like every degree unlock new doors, it unlocked new depths, it unlocked new revelation. And again, I was fortunate enough to have a pastor very young in life that just said to me, Charlie, God's called you to take people deep in the Lord. And you can't take people deeper than you've gone. And so he was an encouragement. So I think everyone needs an encourager in their life to try the new thing to step out. Um, because sometimes we're going to go back to school after we've been out for a while. And, and that's nerve wracking. It, it is. Um, it is. And it's supposed to be intimidating, uh, but it doesn't need to be overwhelming to the point of that we don't do it. No, do it afraid. Um, there are resources and there are people that are going to come alongside you. And 
Uh, I remember the first night before I turned in my first paper in my, in my doctoral program, uh, I was laying in the fetal position in the office of my house, just wondering if I was good enough to write this. And, and you get from that to a place of a few years later, you walk across the stage, you shake a hand, you defend a dissertation, but all of it is step by step. And so for me, I think Christian higher education is a tool for discipleship. It's a tool for training and making ready. If we believe the call of God on our life to be as significant as coming from the creator of the universe, why wouldn't we make ourselves ready to steward that uh, appropriately? And so I, I think for those that are are called to serve in ministry, or those called to serve in the marketplace for the kingdom's sake, and be prepared in such a way that you could do it with excellence and you could do it uh, with all of your might. And, and then to the institutions of higher education, what I would simply say is this, you've got to make it affordable. Because what we can't have is people going into um, tremendous amounts of debt and and unable to actually flourish in their life because they were being prepared for work. When, when you're paying more to be prepared for a job than you're ever going to earn in that job, I think we have a problem. And so I think that's the challenge. And so again, mm-hmm. I, I think it's not that it's not solvable. It's not that, that, that we can't fix it, but at least we need to be honest with it and say, hey, this is something we've got to do. Or what will end up happening in Christian higher ed is people will opt out and they'll, they'll find another path and, and I think the failure in that is that path may not be as, um, that path may not prepare them as well. That's so well said. I, I appreciate your heart for that. And I just want to hijack that for just a second. You know, I believe there are people listening to this podcast who have the means to be part of that solution to help fund the next generation's education and instead of relying on mom and dad's tuition and student loans and a lot of debt uh, there are people that can say you know i think preparing the next generation for ministry and life is worthy of my contribution Uh, so maybe that's part of the solution is people giving that way but thank you so much for sharing that so beautifully and articulately i admire Anybody who tries to make prayer simpler, <laughs> you, uh, because prayer is so daunting in our minds and our hearts. Uh, it definitely is something that can uh, drive us to our knees, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell us about why you wrote the book, Simple Prayer. And by the way, I love the topic because I think that's all the prayer I ever give is simple. <laughs> no, I- Again, for me, it actually came out of a very um, sort of personal realization. Uh, you know, here I was, you know, grew up in church, but prayer always had a sense of anxiety for me. I would always feel like I was doing it wrong. Uh, when you when you are part of a, a congregation and you feel like there are prayer giants among you, um, you you just feel as if you're not you're not on par. And so I, I always used to feel like, and I use this kind of this opening a book. Um, we start simple prayer. We start a book on prayer in a bar. Um, cause for me, the idea of prayer felt like I was, uh, in the alley and the speakeasy was off to the side. Everybody had the right words. They had the right phrases to get inside. And yet for me, I was just sort of left on the outside wondering. And so part of my doctoral program was actually looking at, um, different formational models. And so for me growing up sort of in a Pentecostal church and Pentecostal movement where prayer and, um, these exuberant moments of praise were, it's just part of the, the DNA. I also wondered if there weren't some places 
where maybe more historical, maybe at a different pace and rhythm. Because uh, one of my sort of finds along the way was that there was a lot more people at the table of Christianity than what I previously understood. Um, mm-hmm. And so for me, getting to know some of those distant cousins, uh, some of those relatives that were long lost, uh, that's what my educational journey was, is exposure to the broad Christian tradition and finding finding my way in those places. And, and one of those formational practices that I stumbled upon is known as the Jesus Prayer. And that G- the Jesus Prayer is rooted in Scripture, but it is, it's Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. This simplistic prayer rooted in the exchange between the tax collector and the publican, later rehearsed by the the blind, uh, blind Bartimaeus and Jesus on the way to, to, to Jericho. You, you have this cry for mercy that comes. And so what the Eastern Orthodox tradition did was they sort of captured this prayer and this desire for our hearts to unite in, in union with God beyond our language. Well, for me growing up as a Pentecostal kid, I'm like, that's precisely what we're trying to do, whether it's mm. tongue speech or in, in praise, like, Man, we're, we're trying to get, because isn't, isn't prayer really um, getting beyond the words anyways? We don't, God, if God knows our heart, it's not that we have to then rehearse it for him. It's just so that our heart can actually get to the place where it finds God. And so for me, the Jesus prayer was this sort of rhythmic, providing a cadence in your soul. It's not vain repetition, but it is providing a cadence. Anybody that is a musician or plays drums you know that there's a click track and that click track keeps you in, in, in time. And so for me, the Jesus prayer is this sort of rhythm and response to Paul's invitation to pray without ceasing. There is a way in which my soul can be in time with God, regardless of what is going on around me. And so then as I studied that sort of formational prayer, I then just wondered, I said, man, is there, are there some other simple prayers in scripture that we could grab hold of and we could use them as like a prayer model that we could borrow. Again, I think some of us, we, we depending on your tradition, you may feel like all of your praise have to be, uh, prayers have to be sort of freestyle rapping or you got to make it up as you go. <laughs> and so for me, I, I just have learned and sometimes, man, isn't it good to to open the scriptures and find ourselves into the prayer book of the saints, known as the Psalms. And we can just borrow these words that have been well-worn and tried and true, and they can shape us and mold us. And so for me, like in the scriptures, I think there are some places where we can, we can pull them out. And one of them that just rings is, is, you know, help me in my unbelief. Mm. And that's a story in the scripture of an honest prayer of a father to Jesus. But how many times have we had those moments of, God, I believe, but I'm also very aware that in my belief, there is this unbelief as well. Help me in that. And so, yeah, simple prayer is just really written for me. And if, if my mom reads it and anybody else, um, then all, all, so much the better. Yeah, well, it's such a good book. And I can remember you and I talking uh, decades ago now about uh, your writing and uh, just believing in you, and uh, again, you're very gifted, so I'm, I want people to read that. Um, and I like the fact that you've taken, you know, what to many people are just ancient traditions that are not very well known, but you make them 
um, experiential and just easy to do. So thank you. But another thing that is important is realizing that as we are praying these prayers, whatever they are, life is not always simple. (laughs) Charlie, I want you to talk to us about some of the difficulties you guys have gone through. Life has not always gone the way you have preferred. Yeah, true. Yeah, life is is not simple. Life's hard. And I think everyone experiences hard. And for us, my wife and I, coming up on 10 years ago now, we had a a third trimester um, fatality uh, for a child. And so it ended in a stillbirth. And that was a, a very hard time for us. And, and the hard part was, and this is no one's fault, but my theology was shaped in such a way because of my tradition, because of my experience. Up until that time in my life, I haven't really experienced hardship or suffering. And, and you start building theologies that say, because I've been obedient to the, to the Lord, all I'm going to receive is blessing and everything's going to go well. And the problem is, and it's very similar to the, the modern prophet Mike Tyson. Uh, Mike Tyson says everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Well, everybody believes in God and everybody has a theology that works until he gets punched in the face. And that was a punching uh, in the face uh, to my not belief if God existed, but understanding the way in which God works. So I didn't have a theology of suffering. I didn't have a theology of God in the midst of pain and that his presence is the promise. And, and that, that learn, that experience has revolutionized the way in which we approach the Lord, the way in which we understand God, the way in which my wife and I understand each other. Um, and to be honest, the way in which we pastor. So we say this all the time. Our, our daughter that is not with us, who is in heaven, her legacy lives on in the way in which we pastor. Um, we have been marked by loss. We've been marked by suffering. And it gives us the permission to sit with people who are suffering differently. I think I used to just expect people to kind of get on with it, get over it, be stronger. And the reality is, yeah, that's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus enters the pain. I mean, isn't that the story we have in Job? And that's why, isn't that why it's beautiful? Job never gets told why any of this stuff happens. But he's overwhelmed with the knowledge of who God is. That's, that's the promise that we have. Yeah, suffering's going to come. Hard times are going to come. But in the midst of all that, we can be overwhelmed with the God who tells the shores, yeah, hold on right there. You don't get to go any further. The one who holds the stars in his hands. Like, that's... That's the God that can overwhelm us. And so my suffering can, can have purpose and all of those things can be subsequental. But it doesn't actually have to be in the midst of that. In the midst of it, all I have to recognize is that he's with me. Jesus suffers with us in solidarity. That's what the cross is. He suffers with us, suffers for us on our behalf. And he's, he's, and he's with us. And so that season of our life was hard. I would not wish it on anyone. But it was a thing that probably sturdied my faith in a way now that is unshakable. And I would dare say it probably makes you a better pastor, Charlie. Um, You know, 
I love what you said and the way you phrased it. His presence is the promise. His presence mm-hmm. is the promise. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. It's in him we live and move and have our being. And I didn't even know what uh, comfort was until I actually needed comfort. And when I deeply needed Jesus, it was like manna. I didn't get it the day before. I got it in the minute that I was hungering for it. And think about it. We end up we end up trusting in our own abilities and our own talents until we're in a place where our weakness allows his strength to be perfected. So for me, when I look at when I look at the season of my ministry life prior to losing our daughter. I was probably a little bit too arrogant. I was probably a little bit too good. And I was probably the answer to too many questions. (laughs) After that, the change has been, I don't even know if the answer is even what we're approaching. I think we're just going to be with Jesus here and let him sort some of this out. I think the suffering provides a, I'll say it this way. I, I wouldn't trust the pastor that hasn't suffered. <laughs> like, I just, like until, until, the, until they can show you some scars and some wounds. Cause here's the beautiful thing, right? All of our, our friend Henry and Alan, my wounds are the greatest place for God's grace to flow. Amen. Not my successes. No one wants to hear the heroic stories of leaders anymore. What they want to hear is, I was once lost and now I'm found. It's funny the testimony that we want our our congregants to share. I was blind, but now I see. Somehow we get into the pastoral and leadership positions and we forget that people need to hear those stories. I don't trust the person who's the hero of all their narratives. Charlie, this is so good. I want us to um, just kind of move toward our conclusion, but a little bit differently, if it's okay with you. And um, I want you to, instead of us just saying thank you, go to the website, see you, <laughs> um, I want you to end this, uh, this podcast, this episode, and I want you to guide our audience through some type of prayer, whatever direction you want to take this. This is not one of those rehearsed, planned moments. I want you to guide us in a prayer that would be some type of prayer of healing in their grieving. Not pretending it's not there, but finding a way to let God hold us right now in whatever season of grief we're going through. Maybe it's the grief of losing a job, losing a family member, losing someone we love, and a personal illness that will affect us forever, (laughs) as long as we live on earth. Each story is different. But the mourning can be a place God is holding us, and He can be healing us as we are grieving. Charlie, thanks again for being with us, but I want you to end this episode um, with this kind of opening a door into that holy place of the healer holding us. God, your mercies, they're new every morning. So God, I pray that we would embrace today's mercy 
and let go of yesterday's mercy. Mm-hmm. Let the grace of God surround our minds and lift our head and give us strength when we feel weak. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies. So God, we overcome in you and through you. Not because we gut it out. Not because we somehow lifted enough weight. But we trusted you. So God, would you do that? Would you increase our ability to trust you? Or our faith might be fractured. That's okay. You never asked us for mountain-sized faith. You just asked us for mustard seed faith. So God, our broken faith is enough. So God, we, we bring that to you. We hear the words, you're making all things new. And we hold that. We're grateful for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Surfaces, is available now at www.chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their new musical releases at www.casualamericans.com or at your favorite music suppliers. We release Next Steps Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.